Everything everywhere is always moving forever. Get used to it. Welcome to the Casuals Podcast, part of the Tenth Seniors Network. Um, we're casuals. We watch basketball, so you don't have to. We will give you our takes, our opinions. We will be bad at this, but you'll enjoy this conversation nonetheless. Don't explain so, it to them every time. No, no, no. But remember, we were supposed to do another podcast and then it disappeared. <laughs> well, yes. L- lots of things have happened. I also explained this on the read option yesterday. Y'all got to bear with us because life comes at you fast. All right. You're spinning a lot of plates here. And we still in a pandemic. It's crazy, you know, what people don't understand, I think. It's like trying to plan a podcast out at the same time, coordinate with someone, but then you still have all your regular life stuff happening. And then you just got to be, I saw a meme that says, aren't the best friends the people you could cancel plans with? And they'll just be like, all right. That's what most of podcasting is when you're not in the same place. You just got to be like, all right, man, understood. No, that happens in the same place too. Like, one day, I think it was Sunday, me, John, and Carter were supposed to do one, and that just turned into a like a brainstorming meeting. We didn't even podcast no more, so we had to do it again last night. And then there's this today, and then I have a home run derby one to do tonight with Todd and Lucius. And in the middle of all that, Kaizen got finals week, so it's like, I have finals week. I have not studied like this since I was in school. Like, he doesn't <laughs> just study on his own. It's, all of it is both of us. So it's been a lot going on. I took vacation for this week just because all of this is going on. And still, it's like patch one hole and a leak spring somewhere else. But we're here and Malik Monk made it to double figures last night in a good Lakers win. So Team 11-360 is doing well. Alright, that we are not fucking starting with Malik on conversations. 11, I can tell you that right now. No, 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 no. No. Oh. What we're starting with is everyone's favorite new NBA rivalry, Warriors and Suns. Oh, I um, thought you was gonna say Enos Kanta versus like logic, but better. Alright, first of all, that is your topic. That is your area. I like how excited you get about the Enos Kanta LeBron thing. <laughs> It is not no, that's not where we were starting. Oh, I love Warrior Sons. Let's go here. Alright, yo, Warrior Sons. The I think part of the best part about like this rivalry in the series is when um you see two teams stare down each other. And this happens in college football all the time, where like two undefeated teams, in this case obviously they weren't undefeated, um, two teams clash because they've been like checking each other out, be like, yo, I wonder if I could take them. Cause it was a test for the Warriors to be like, if we can take out a really good team on their home court without clay, then this tells us either how far ahead we are or if we can take things a little more cautiously. And for the Suns, the exact thing was opposite. It's like, we need to punch them in the mouth right away to show we're the champions of the West. That first game in Phoenix happens. Booker goes down. Warriors lose anyway. Suns, great win. CP3, Bridges. Um, Aiton, of course, had really big games. And... You saw the value of Aiton in that game. Game two pops off in Golden State. And the Warriors almost from the jump weren't having it. But Phoenix, still without Booker, still made runs at them until the Warriors' fourth quarter went into a different gear. And the podcast is lost. I threw a lot of shade at Juan Toscano Anderson. <laughs> and he went seven for eight in that bounce back game against uh, <laughs> against Phoenix. But it it was... Like, we learned things in that game um, that I think are going to carry on through the rest of the season. How the Suns defended Steph 
And then I think more importantly, how the Warriors responded to adversity. Um, and I think the future is bright for both teams. If I had to call it right now on who would win in a series, I don't know that I could. Because as of right now, there is no answer for Aiton and then throw Booker in that mix. Like Christmas Day is going to be special. And I think it was telling that the basketball community at large took a collective breath away from the normal storylines to focus on, hey, this is one of the few straight up just a good basketball matchup that we had to talk about. There was none of the soap opera stuff. There was no outside entities to focus on. It was just who is the better team? And it was kind of refreshing because when was the last time that we had that with no caveats whatsoever? It didn't have to do with anything personal. There were no real villains in this unless you have people that want to consider Chris Paul a villain. But even as far as the list of villains go, it's mild because he's never won one. So how much of a villain could he really be, right? So it really boiled down to who was better. The fans were treating it like that. Basketball Twitter was treating it like that, and the players were treating it like that, because in the last podcast, like you said, and I think you messaged me that night, it felt like a playoff atmosphere. Like, both of these teams wanted to... Nobody was like, this is just a regular season game. You wanted to see where you're at, and every Suns-Warriors game for the season, I feel, is going to be like that. This is what people expected with the Lakers being in the mix, but these two kind of just surge ahead to become the storyline. Obviously, 17 wins in a row will do that for you, <laughs> and the Warriors dominate and everyone else will do that for you. But from that first game, we started to look at it through the prism of, well, this is just the first of these great matchups that we're going to see, but expect every game to be like this. And on the whole um, feels-like-a-playoff game thing, I think this has happened now because one of the, the amount of tension that the NBA gets now and secondly, because there are so many throwaway games. So when I say throwaway games, there will be good teams that the top teams will play, but it won't feel like that. Like, for instance, um, when the Nets played the Bulls, that had a feeling of a playoff game, right? Yeah. And it was the same kind of thing, like the two top teams in the conference kind of like measuring um, how far they have come in the season, and they know the things that they can like repair, the players who are going to be added later, but you still want to punch in the words uh, uh the great Marshawn Lynch you still want to run through a motherfucker's face yeah. and that's like what playoff basketball is and it'll happen rarely like I'm sure when the Warriors play the Bucks, that's going to happen now because the Bucks have now said they've survived all of these injuries and we still hear like nothing has changed and you need to be even more afraid of us so I think that that is still there that's still in the air um and for the Suns and f- for the Warriors, I think, remember, the, the Warriors is coming into the season were like a, a wounded animal. So, mm-hmm. you know, the saying about them still being dangerous. But the Suns knew how good they were coming off of last season, bringing everyone back. How is Aiton going to react? I'm, you know, as a Bahamian, I, I should not say this. But the way Aiton is reacting is like, yo, this don't even, like, contract shit don't even matter. Like, I am Which is playing. what I wanted to get to because it's been amazing. Yeah. Because it's like, I am just going to play. And once that happened, then the Suns were off to the races, despite racism. As but I was just about to say, it wasn't even just the Aiton contract situation. It's everything that's been going on in Phoenix. And Monty, Monty Williams said it uh, in a presser that, I felt like we would be better. I'm not surprised by this because of continuity. And yeah, they were one of the few teams that had continuity from, from la- last season when they were a surprise and everything broke right for them. 
But this season, I don't think people expected them to still operate on that level. Monty Williams was like, well, yeah, that's what happens if you keep the guys and you have an additional year of CP3. So no surprise to him. And then they go through the contract extension that we know some uh, negotiation that tears some teams apart because you have some guys getting paid and Aiton didn't. You have your owner accused of all the John Gruden stuff. And you saw everything that went on with the Raiders to completely derail their season. That's not happening with Phoenix. I don't know if the locker room is banded again. We actually have no idea what they think about Robert Sauber because that's how tight and in-house the whole thing is. Every time a question has come up, because obviously I watch a lot of Suns press conferences, right? Anytime it comes up with Aiton, CP3, or Booker, they completely brush that aside and be like, no, nah, I've never seen any of those kind of actions. Then they pivot quickly to basketball. It's like everyone on the team is a quarterback. They all know how to do quarterback speak. And through all of that, they've been overperforming, I would say, and so have the Warriors. And that's why it's refreshing because we know the Warriors aren't healthy. And that's why, not 100% healthy, obviously, because you don't have Clay and you don't have Wiseman who figures to make the dynamics of the game different with Aiton in there. So as good as the first two games were, I think we're all excited because we know how good it can get when everybody is back to 100%. And you know, it's another thing. I know this sounds just like um, a full Suns Love podcast. It but another be. thing that's that's great about the Suns in, in my eyes is that I just watched a clip with um, Joel Inglis complaining about how the Utah Jazz don't get enough credit and enough coverage. And him and J.J. Redick are kind of like agreeing on that and i was like nah y'all don't get credit because y'all fucked up and y'all lose early every time in the playoffs and it's utah and yeah. everyone knows the stereotype about utah fans but for the suns uh that's not an issue they're also quote unquote a small market team they just went to the finals and beat everyone who was in their way regardless of injuries they beat a team that the jazz couldn't beat without Kawhi. um and that's kind of what happens. And I think, like, that's also, like, a great part of the Suns story is that this talent, other than CP3, um, for the most part, is homegrown. They put it together, and then everyone plays hard. And it looks like everyone is still getting better. Matt, I, fuck, I forgot to send this to you, but I just saw there was one clip on Twitter that I saw with DeAndre Ayton, like, in a pick-and-roll and he, like, attacked the pick-and-roll yeah. so hard, and he passed out of it. And the the person was just like, yo, I'll take DeAndre Ayton getting five turnovers a game if he's working on this for the rest of the season because this will be amazing and almost close to unstoppable with the kind of shooting Phoenix has. And I'm, I'm sitting there like, yeah, this is why I didn't believe all the way in the Warriors until Wiseman is back. Or unless you have, like, Giannis or AD, like, the projection of... Aiton, Cam Thomas, and Bridges getting better Cam all at the Cam Johnson, sorry, all getting better all at the same time. While Booker and CP3 are playing almost if they just play the exact same. How is that defeated unless you get ex, you know, by a, a like a degree of two or three exponent? How is that? How are you going to defeat that team? You got to hope that they either regress or someone gets hurt. I don't know, man. And I, I think this team has the depth to actually be able to sustain, not an injury, obviously, to the, they can sustain an injury to one of their main factors for small periods of time, obviously not to an extended series because they have that kind of depth. But what I see watching Aiton play is... We said too much. We, we, we thought he acquiesced too much to Chris Paul for a lot of the first year. 
drifting back into third, sometimes fourth option. But I think you're really starting to see the effect of not just Chris Paul, but I'm seeing the effect of JaVale McGee on Aiton's game in terms of mentorship, in terms of really imprinting on him to do all of these things that don't show up in the stat sheet. Because for all the bullshit that other casuals would always get down on JaVale McGee for, for all the Shaq and the Fools stuff, for the narrative that was out there about him. He's been a productive big man in the league for about 15 years, doing the same thing, rebounding. Some great contracts. And finishing, love it. Getting so much contracts. Think about it. JaVale McGee was just on the Olympic team with all of those young stars. It was him. And he is, Another great part about JaVale McGee, dresses like he's rich. I enjoy that. Yeah. For anyone who is in the league that long and is like, all right, now I'm going to switch it up. Yeah, like, and when everyone would say, you know, Shaq and a fool, whatever, his basketball IQ isn't what you think it is. And I always think to myself, but his mom is a professional basketball player. Like, that's cut from a different kind of cloth. Like, you have to look at him the same way you look at Steph and Seth Curry. That's, or like Andrew Wiggins. He comes from that. He comes from basketball being in the bloodline. He's not an idiot, no matter how many Shaq and a fool videos he's a part of. But now, like, at this point in his career, he's really embracing this, I'm going to make DeAndre Ayton better. He does it in a different way than Draymond does with Wiseman. Draymond's going with the LeBron shout, shout at you kind of model, right? So his kind of teaching style with Ayton is different, but you're seeing the impact. And I think Phoenix is going to be much better for that. Hold on. Are we, like, do we know that for sure that Wiseman is, um, that Draymond is doing that to Wiseman? Yeah, no, or, like or he's do done it like during, during games, I mean. He's been very vocal during games. No, no, no Draymond, no. Okay. not like in a negative way, you know. Draymond okay, is that's kinda, what I mean, yeah. No, Draymond is kind of just like a Jamaican. So even when he says things, it's very aggressive, Perfect. and it Perfect. doesn't have to be, it doesn't mean to be aggressive. You know, I was just going to ask you that exact same thing, if that's what you meant, because like yeah. he is speaking passionately and loudly, but I don't know necessarily if he is like down in him or trying to sun no, him. No, 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 no. It's just like, no, 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 you could do this, and... I know everyone's excited for Clay's comeback, including Clay, which is great. Um, but, but like, I'm also very excited to see what it's going to be like um, when Wiseman's there. And another thing I like about the Warriors team, I spoke about what I liked about uh, the the Suns. What I like about the Warriors is that they have resisted, and I hope they don't ever do this. They have resisted every time in saying the Doc Rivers. Remember when Doc Rivers would run around and say, like, well, no one actually, like, beat us when we were 100% healthy. Remember? And they would, like, rely on, like, one Kendrick Perkins injury to say that this, the Doc Rivers Celtics team. 100% healthy, this Warrior team hasn't been taken out. Even when they lost down 16, like, Steph was still hurt, and then Draymond got suspended. But I mean, like, but they have never said that because to their mind, it's like, no, we are losers. We got our ass kicked for like two years in a row and coming at this as aggressively as anyone else and want to be good. And they're like, they're not running from, yeah, we expect Clay to be good. Clay is going to be good. And, you know, every, like I heard, um, listen to some podcasts, some podcast takes. I don't even want to steal none of these takes. I just wanted to bring one of this up. They're like, oh, what's, what are they going to do with minutes when Clay comes back? Are you going to play pool or Wiggins or. And I just sat there. I said like, it first. Are you? No, but now still. Okay. And this is my disagreement with that. No, no, no. I don't think it's a bad thing. I was just wondering yeah. where they were going to go. Of course, it's a good thing. That's an amazingly good thing to have. I was just wondering if it's if you just yeah. toss Clay right. in there or have Clay run with the twos. That's all. 
you mean to tell me like my favorite player Juan Toscano Anderson <laughs> or like or like Peyton the third might have less minutes because Clay fucking Thompson is gonna be back. No, that, that's fine. Like I know Pool is Pool will be playing. Wiggins no. will be playing. If you're just talking about who is gonna be in the lineup towards the end of the game. You know, like how the Lakers have to work out basically their entire fucking rotation during the yeah, season. Yeah. What if the Warriors are just working out? Hey, what does last five minutes could look like? And they're working it out when they're already up by fifteen in a lot of these games. And that I think, is a I think much easier are. problem. I think they are because all it is is them just revamping the lineup of death with Andre Wiggins playing the role that Iguodala had. Now, obviously, he's not the complete player that Iguodala is, but just in the sense that in those crunch time minutes, you probably have Steph, Poole, Clay, Wiggins, and Draymond on the floor, or if Draymond's not playing five, you take Wiggins off and you play Draymond and Wiseman up front. But it's, I think it's, a, it's an embarrassment of riches if you can argue whether you have Clay playing spot duty or Clay coming off the bench to run with the twos, or even if you have Poole coming off the bench to run with the twos, because this is someone who clearly, it's established that Jordan Poole is good. Like, I know the first game of the season, we, we was talking a lot, not to bring it to Malik Monk, but we was talking a lot of shit about how much he scored on opening night. But he's averaging, what is it, 19 a game. He's clearly a good player. Like, if you have somebody with like that that can even run with the second unit, then there's no real fall off when you get to the playoffs. So, I, I mean, obviously, it's a great thing to have a whole lot of talent. But like you said, it's just going to be interesting to see who Kerr goes with and if that changes based on the matchup, because it probably will. You're not going to leave Draymond to play extended minutes in crunch time against DeAndre Ayton if you're in a series with Phoenix. You're going to have to rely on Wiseman. So it's just shaking out what the what the rest of that lineup is going to look like based on matchups. You'd rather have this than have the Nets. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> First of all, I really enjoyed that you called him Andre Wiggins. And I think, like, that is the Warriors' dream that he can actually be Andre (laughs) Wiggins. He can become Andre Wiggins. And um, Jordan Poole is good. Um, Jordan Poole will be looking to get paid. But Clay Thompson is one of the best 75 players in NBA. 77. And 75. There was an error. And. I think for the Warriors, it's going to depend on, like, if they need defense, who are they out on the court against? If they need extra shooting, is Steph on? Is Steph off during that game? There's a lot of factors, but to have six or seven people you can rely on in crunch time is just tremendous advantage. And to have the continuity, which is why, and that's going to be our segue into talking about trades, which is something that casuals love to talk about. Um I don't think the Warriors make a trade. No, I and think they're good. I don't think they make a trade because the the like the continuity that they have and the amount of people in the organization, everyone knows how to play now, even when they're bringing Clay and Wiseman back. I don't think you risk that for, unless, I don't know, unless it's Sabonis, but no. do you risk it for Miles Turner? Like, you... I, I don't know that you do, and I think the Warriors should stand pat. Now for Phoenix, Phoenix is going to be good. But like is is Phoenix going to be better than one of the Eastern teams good? Like I think Phoenix can take out the Warriors, but I don't know that to me that doesn't mean that they necessarily can beat the team coming out of the Eastern Conference. So um 
I I don't know if Phoenix has one more move that they are willing to make with their young pieces, but like only Cam, I think who is to me is valuable, but I don't know if, like what can he bring you back? He's more valuable to Phoenix than he is to anyone else. Yeah, I think and I actually thought his value was really high coming into this. That's why I was kind of I was low key surprised that Miles Bridges got the contract Mikael Bridges got the contract that he did because I thought Cam Johnson was that good. And as good as he played in the playoffs, you, we know how overperforming in the playoffs could get you paid. So I thought he popped up on a lot of radars then. But I don't think either one of these teams makes a deal because, well, in the case of the Warriors, their addition is just going to be becoming healthy because you're getting a, your second pick in the draft back and a top 75 player of all time back, one of the greatest shooters ever. So all you have to do is get healthy and you're better. And you have the irrational confidence of Gary Payton uh, Jr., which is just... I think is very important to this team. Don't underrate how important he is. Man, but him, he was like a perfect example of like um, role players home games versus their road games. Because oh, on yeah, the yeah. road against Phoenix, that yeah. did, that looked nasty. Home? Yeah. <laughs> and Oracle, this man was dunking. He was taking the three-pointers with no hesitation. We he was just like, oh yeah, I letting this fly like... Steph, pass me this ball. I'm open. That's we how know he what he's acting. here for. Listen, yeah. he is Gary Payton's son in every sense of the word. He is a literal quote from him was, I may not shoot the ball like Steph, but I damn near do everything else elite. This is really what he thinks. <laughs> All right? Like, I... <laughs> He's becoming one of my guys. Okay. Like, I'm, hey man, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm, a, make my, I'm ready to make my championship pick now. Yeah, he's off Gary Payton in third. I'm a fan of him. I don't need I, anything else. With but, um, with Phoenix, I think it's kind of the same thing though, because there's not much the additions. I feel like all of the additions they made in terms of improving their depth was all they feel that they had to do. So you add depth shooting on the wing with Landry Shamit. And you add de- some depth behind eight and getting JaVale McGee. I don't know why they refuse to ever play Jalen Smith. You drafted him 10th overall. That's further front court depth because Darius Sarge got hurt in the finals this year. We don't know if he's ever going to be available this season. Um, but if he does come back and he can make a huge contribution because Darius Sarge is a guy who could get you a double double and who can stretch the floor for playing uh, either the four or the five. So I feel like that's important. You know how solid they are at the wing. Uh, in terms of playing the three spot with with Bridges and Cam Johnson. So I think both of these teams are pretty set. And the fact that both of these teams have their identity set this early is what made them heads and shoulders above everyone else at this point. Um, I want to pivot to some other uh, trade possibilities and also want to identify one of the quirks about the NBA season because you said how far head and shoulders above the rest of the NBA they are. Both of them had hiccups against the Spurs. The Warriors lost the Spurs, and the yeah. Spurs played the Suns in such a close game. It made you think, holy shit, man. Like, this league, if every night you don't have um, have it all together, if you are, like, slightly off at some point, you could get got. And the Spurs is a team who gets people, I think, like, all the time. Popovich is trying to build something there. Probably build players to get traded to try to get a guy, but... Um, that was just like fascinating to me that the Spurs back to back was like, yeah, we're going to face the two best teams in the NBA and go nose to nose with them. And people have to hit clutch shots to beat us or we win in this game. Um, but I also wanted to pivot to, we talked about trades that weren't going to happen, but now trade that's probably going to happen now. And it's the damn Lillard stuff. 
Like now it has reached a point now where they have there's no recourse. You just gotta let you gotta let the chopper sing now. They have the train damn Lillard. And you know the reason for me that like where it became crystal clear, I was listening to um Brian Winnoise, I think, discuss this. And he was saying talking about the decision, because Dame Lillard's already under contract, right? But Portland has a decision next summer on if to do a further extension, which would pay him fifty million a year. You know the dumbest thing to do <laughs> if you're Portland? Pay Dame Lillard fifty million dollars a year for you to be in the play-in game every single year. You're not gonna when be in the playoff his... in the play-in game, Kari. CJ McCollum yeah. has a collapsed lung. They're not gonna be anywhere. The team already yeah. wasn't good. And now his running mate is out indefinitely. So it's legit just Lillard and Nurkic. That's the team. For as much you, as we thought this trade should have happened a long time now. ago, it's even worse now. It's even worse now. And I think that the value is still there. They could still get like uh, a King's Ransom for Dame. And I think this is the perfect time to do it. I think if you were Portland and you could get, honestly, Maxi, uh, Wildcat, and Ben Simmons... Why not do this? What is the hiccup in you doing this? There is no drawback. Um, and I think for Portland, that has to be enough. And for Philly, you have to give up Maxi if you want Dan Lillard and to like maximize Joel Embiid's window. Oh, that's that's great, just one of the traits. That's a like, great play on words. Maximize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Shut up. Shut up. Yeah. And then for Maxi. He gets to be the, yo, I am shooting everything in Portland. And you know who will pass me the ball? Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons has a team who gets to say, we will build everything around you. Let you are the you guy. Something. Tyrese Moxie, that is his mindset anywhere. He could be playing with the Harlem Globetrotters. He could be playing with the Lakers, the Nets, the Sixers. His mindset is, I'm shooting this ball no matter who I play for. So that is one thing that is not ever going to change. That's great, and that will be great in Portland, where we will get to watch a lot of YouTube highlights because we ain't staying up to watch Portland games no, unless they play someone really, really great. No, I, and yeah. that's just one. And and again, like to reiterate, if you are listening to this, the the Portland Trailblazers have to trade damn now because they go into the off season and then they lose all the leverage because teams know. All right, well then you want to sign him to a fifty million extension, and what if Dame has like a slight dip in production? Then that means you get less value on the players because now GMs can kind of like talk themselves into thinking, "Oh shit, this is um, it just might be his circumstance and what he's playing now, and he don't want to be there, but he also don't want to ask for a trade, but we can fix this if he is there. But if you go through a whole season and it looks down, dog, I don't know." Let, uh, while we're here talking about trades, I want to, and you brought up his name, but I wanted to just elaborate on this while I'm thinking of it. How did Sabonis really become? I, I mean, not is he is he available? Is he a trade target? Do the Pacers have him or Miles Turner on the block? Is that something? Is he someone that teams can actually go after and go get? Because if I'm the Pacers, I don't know if I have him available. Like I don't, I don't really get that. To me, he's one of the premier bigs in the league. He just plays for the Pacers. It's uh, either or prospect. They won't trade both of them, but they will trade one of them. So if they can land someone um, for Karis Levert and Sabonis, someone big. Or if they can land um, 
some pieces for Miles Turner and then maybe Levert somewhere else, they'll do it because then they're saying like, okay, like we could rebuild around Brogdon and whoever. And then we'll get additional pieces because the season isn't going so great now. And I think it's better to be, when you're the first person who makes a trade, everything is on the board for you, right? Yeah. As soon as you're not that first domino piece, automatically two teams are gone out of the the pool of teams who you have to possibly trade with. That's why I think the Pacers sent that out early to be like, I man, like you, because they wanted to do it and also like cut out the legs of some Philly trades because it could be, you sure you want to give that up for Ben Simmons? When if, what would your team look like if you had Sabonis um, and maybe Levert? Like that is a better two piece for your team and because you, you now can flip two different people. And I think that's the case for everyone. That's why you hear, I mean, aside from it being like great content for casual like discourse, I think that's why you always hear that kind of stuff come up because the other option is, right? Um, all right, like what if uh, Dame goes to the Nets for Kyrie, if that would have happened? Or what if Kyrie goes to Philly for uh, Ben Simmons? But Kyrie says that, you know, if he gets traded, he'll retire. So who knows? And for Dame, it's like, do you want to trade for Dame? Because you are giving up assets, and then you also have to know that this extension of $50 million a year for Dame is coming when he's going to be into his mid to late 30s. Basketball's a great life, I swear. But, like, that's coming for him, and are you willing to, like, go into that type of marriage for a trade or are you going to argue for Portland that's like, man, this is why I'll give you less because give you less players because I know we have to eventually pay Dame this much. The thing about it is, though, it's it's not going to come out of the news cycle because he's a trade that can completely shift the balance of power if he goes to the right place. Like, Sabonis is one where you could see him staying and that actually doesn't happen, but the fact that you know... You have so many upper echelon talents that you know they have to be gone. And then you have kind of like mid-level people that you forget about that they may could possibly not shift the balance of power, but they could bolster some people near the top. Like if Kemba Walker finds a home, if John Wall finds a home, whatever happens with whatever happens with you, you wait, smirk, but situ- wait, wait, I'm sorry. On- I had to check to see if I was still on me. No, wait, hold on, hold on. It just it, give me your like Kemba Walker, John Wall team's balance of power shift. Just play for anyone good. Just play for anyone good and make six shots in a playoff game. That's it. I I I, I, I honestly don't see it. I don't see it. You mean good is in like good is in like in the conference finals or good is in like anyone like who the anyone who can anyone. Anyone in the the final eight, anyone, yeah, anyone that's a conference finalist, if you play for any one of those teams, even if you're in a reduced role and you are better than whoever their second string point guard was, or maybe even third, but isn't injuries happen? I'm just saying the more talent you have on your team, the top makes a difference. But for Kemba, right, isn't the point that he was not doing well with the Celtics all last year, right? Who were a playoff team? He was hurt. And that for the, for the Knicks, they said, well, not hurt now. They said, like, yo, you can't even be in this rotation. No, so but- isn't that like an indicator that, yo, this isn't going to work anymore for this? And you could still... I don't fucking know. But it may... And like to me, it's like you could still have an NBA career. Like, and let's go like non-playoff, right? And let, let's go people who... Because Dame says he wants that $50 million contract regardless. So, I mean, like, when you're thinking about, like, the benefit of your family, 
you can still have a good NBA career, like toiling away on them losing teams, but your name still gets you a contract. All Isaiah Thomas wants is to get on any NBA contract. So that's why I don't think, like, for sure he wants to play and he might want to prove himself, but I don't know if it's in the best, like, like imagine Kemba go to the Bulls or something. Like, but that fucks up the... That fucks up the defense and like who are you gonna play over and because I'm think, thinking like top four teams in the in the East right or if he like the top four teams in the East like the Nets the Bucks Bulls and I guess for now we could say the Heat but they have everyone injured but like who would he play over and fit in on any of those rosters where you'd be like I right, this part you could take time away from this person like who would he take time away from on the Suns or the Warriors that you could be like, or even the Jazz. To be, I mean, I hate the Jazz. You know what? Go to the Jazz. Never mind. Go to the Jazz, Kemba Walker. Who's, who's, I mean, I don't know much about the Jazz at all. Who's Mike Conley's backup? I don't know. Boy, I don't know. I watch you no know, Jazz who's, I'm a casual. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But, okay, like the, the backup for the Bucks backup point guard is George Hill. Like, yeah, Kemba so Walker could go to Milwaukee and play over George Hill. But you were, okay, but you have to remember that he was available for all these teams to, like, trade for I thought for the Knicks was a horrible move. That was, this like, dumb, no. that was this dumb going home kind of narrative that people fall into. I never thought the Knicks move made sense, even if he's healthy, because Emmanuel quickly played that well. And then you signed Derrick Rose. So where was he going to play? <laughs> Yeah, but then they were still playing Kemba before that. They were still giving him the minutes. And, and they then, had to bench Emmanuel Cook quickly, which made no sense. So something yes, but had the, to shake. because they said that they were losing because he was not getting the job done. That's why they benched him. Like, they didn't just bench him because of, like, quickly's, um, oh, we need to further develop him. They benched him because he wasn't playing as well as him. Let me state that I am not, like... This Kemba Walker find the things he's going to change anything in the NBA. I don't give a shit about Kemba Walker. I was just thinking about people who ain't playing. Like, I am not... Kemba Walker is not part of my agenda. I don't care about this nigga. But I just need people that ain't playing, that's just wandering around the NBA landscape, that somebody could possibly scoop up and be like, you are... You are providing no you know service you sound to anyone. Like right now? You can provide a service you know to us. You sound like right now. You remember this well. You remember those 2011, 2012 Heat teams when Troy Murphy and Mike Bibby were like the biggest additions. Oh, in the I world. feel like that. I feel like that about John Wall. I feel like a lot of people are writing John Wall off. Do you remember how those two things turned out? Yeah, that's all right. I feel like so all much right. people are writing John Wall off, and they are making a mistake. The same mistake they made with Melo. John Wall is still a contributor in this NBA. John I Wall want everyone to know that the difference between Kemba Walker and John Wall for now is that one went to the University of Kentucky and one did not. No, no, no. One is getting it in against his Asian trainer, his like 5'10 Asian trainer, and he John is Wall. absolutely killing him. <laughs> okay. 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 Last, last trade piece uh, before we could go to our agenda items. Um, the Lakers the fuck are they gonna do because you talk about mellow right and how mellow has this resurgence i honestly don't think i watch this and i'm like i don't understand yeah yeah i honestly don't understand how the lakers are going to play mellow not only that but he is also missing a whole lot of shots like there are several games where box score now has discovered that Melo is going like 0 for 4. He has a lot of offers coming up right now. I don't hear him screaming for rebounds as much. And 
to me, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if we were even going to segue into Laker talk, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is um, this all goes into like what trade they can make. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Go yeah. Because that was that's clearly the biggest yeah, team people talk about when they talk about thing. trade pieces. Because you the know, they can the trade Lakers, nothing. <laughs> they can't. They don't. They don't have a move to make because what is the piece that you can possibly move that anyone wants? That's why THT was. I guess placed on this pedestal because he's the only young piece that people said we could possibly work something for, right? But you got eleven three sixty. You just have to figure out how the rotations work around eleven three sixty, and that's it. And a part of that is you can't be what? Why are you laughing? Anyway, you can't <laughs> be playing. Twelve. <laughs> Sorry. What? <laughs> I, I don't see what's funny. The Lakers, I mean, it's a nickname that they came up with. Uh, yeah, keep going, keep going. Keep anyway, going. so it's, is it is it that you have to make a move or, because I actually, I actually agree with the sentiment that I feel bad for Frank Vogel, dog, but is it that you have to make a move or do you just have to figure out your rotation and figure out your identity? And it seems like a simple thing to say we know what our identity is because we have three of the greatest players of all time. But, I mean, basketball is not that simple. It does not work like that all the time. And it, even if it does, oftentimes it doesn't work like that right away. But we just live in an age where nobody's going to be patient and say, hey, let's stick with this kind of thing. Like, this ain't the Patriots where you can start two and four and Mac Jones and Bill Belichick are going to figure it why, out. Why? Why? <laughs> I can't. What? All my sports hatred is good. But, um... Oh. Dog. You still hate them? Nah, not that I hate them, but I just hate yeah. the whole Bill Simmons, Matt Jones, Patriots going to oh, the Super Bowl thing. See, I, I hate that. But like, anyway, so let me go to the Lakers real quick. Um, yeah. And for you saying like, them putting tops together quick. I think the last two seasons in this amount of games, like the Lakers were 21 and 3. Right. <laughs> and 18 and 6 in the two previous years. And then... Now they are, um, I think they're 13 and 12. Now they're 12 and 12 to be at the 24-game mark. So the idea that this team is going to take its time to come together, I feel like, as casuals, we should know that that is, that is like a harbinger of doom when people say that and your team is 500. Like, I could understand you saying that. Oh, I could understand you saying that when the team is like, um, when the team is like 8 and 8, you know? Because then that's like, okay, all right, we played 16 games, and now we got to get out of this. Like, everyone talks about that 9-8 and eight Heat team, right? But you know what happened after that 9-8? and eight? They got their shit together and was like 2 or 3 in the Eastern Conference before uh, Christmas came. So that, that is to say, like, if a team is at 500 this late, and, like, say the Lakers would have dropped another one and be 13-13 and 13, or be, like, a game over 500 by the time Christmas comes around, that is that is we have to trade someone. That is the level of um, I don't even know because I don't even know if the Cavs went through this. Even the the Cavs weighed, yeah, you know they weren't good, but they were like a couple games over five hundred. And I'm not saying you can't work it out, but like if it gets to this level and it's still this inconsistent, the Lakers had a good game against the Celtics last night. You know. Um, Celtics didn't roll out their big gun, Enos Cantor, so the Lakers had time to breathe and like put it together. Um, <laughs> for that, I I don't know if there's a trade to be made. Like, there is Who do, 
Who do they Laker have? The people Laker want? fans have been online like trying to shop THT and Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn, who ain't play all year to everyone, and thinking they're gonna get like a Jeremy Grant back or I don't I don't even know who the who the other name was. There was a, there was another name that came about um, with the THT rumors, but man, but I, at, I, I'm at gonna look point, it up now. But at this I don't point, know, man. At this point, um, what what do they think THT's value is though? I'm not. I'm not sure what you think the return can be for him. He's not. He's not. He's not bringing in a season shifting player. That's why I think. Oh, I'm I don't sorry. Think... I, I don't mean to laugh, right? But this is the trade I saw on Twitter. It's like none THT at 2027 first and filler for Holiday and Turner. Why in the hell would the Pacers do that? This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, man. Okay, that that makes no sense. But I'm saying though, like when when you talked about those benchmarks in the previous seasons, I think that is also, to me, that's that's on a case by case basis, and that is largely based on several factors. Whether this team already has that identity and they're struggling, whether this team already has those rotations and they're still struggling, or are they still figuring things out as they go? And and LeBron, I think more so LeBron was hurt. So like like that would be the caveat that, that LeBron well, that's, being that's, hurt is that's the, is also the a part caveat. of it. But I mean, Russell Westbrook is a huge character to to just throw into any situation. And for all of those other ones, I don't see you just adding a piece like him all, to a team that's already established. And it wasn't just him; it's him and ten other guys. <laughs> it's him and ten other guys. He's one of the ten. I think yeah, that's but, something that we haven't seen before. And they could, but right now they're 13 and 12, five games back in the loss column behind Utah. As we talk right now, they could reel off five or six games and completely change the way this thing looks. So, Hold on, I want to go back to the Russell Westbrook thing. Yeah. They chose to do that. Ain't no, no one forced I, oh, them agreed. to do that. I ain't giving but, them but no I mean, Right, right. But, and then I also like want to say in terms of them figuring out, right? A lot of this, and I hate that as a casual, because the whole idea is that you should not be able to like listen to people do takes on podcasts and have the takes be so accurate about your team because they're not in the you know workings of the team. They should know. Russell Westbrook trade happens now. I swear, like every NBA podcast, the people are going on and saying like from low to Windhorse to Chris Vernon. Everyone's just being like, "Yo." This ain't going to work, but then (laughs) this is why. Or or they would say, like, Frank Vogel is going to be under the gun because this is why. Because you have this many veteran people. He will not be able to say, hey, you might get some DNPs tonight. Or, hey, LeBron is going to need to have the ball at 80. You have to play center. And people were saying Frank Vogel is not going to have the authority in that locker room to do that. And here are, are, are the, the LeBron fans in us are saying, like, yeah, but LeBron is one of the smartest NBA minds there is. He's going to figure this out. He's going to figure out how to play with Westbrook. We have had no proof that that is true, that that is going to happen. What we have seen is Frank Vogel just stick to DeAndre Jordan starting at center. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to flip the switch on you. I'm put Dwight Howard. And then, oh, like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put LeBron at center. All the shit. And like all this, because for the first like ten games, I would first twenty games, I was with, I was with everyone. Be like, yeah, you gotta just throw shit at the wall, see you could play, see you could not play, um, just see what happens. But as this is happening while you're losing games, 
and as people said, you could see the lack of effort on the court. The same team that you lost to twice on comebacks got beat by 73 goddamn points. That has nothing to do with just like LeBron James being on the court or anything else. That no. has to do with the effort of the players on the team. That is not that that's to me, that's why that's not something that's that's inherently fixable like that. Like how do you how do you get players to buy in? Because this is not a team that has won two championships and let their foot off the gas. Everyone except for like LeBron and AD should be playing with I got something to prove. Shouts to little baby. Like that's, that's how they should be playing. But they're not because how do okay, how do you why? I don't why aren't they playing like that? I don't they know. Sh- they should be, but I think the people that play like that tend to be young players and guys that are playing for contracts. Melo ain't gonna play like that because as much as Melo wanted to get back in the league, he's still seeing your mind. Rondo definitely ain't gonna play like that. Bazemore ain't playing like that. Austin Reeves can't play like that. Avery Bradley ain't going to play like that. DeAndre Jordan, you talked about him already, definitely won't. So who's going to do it? And the only person that you think is going to do it, who's going to give you that effort all the time, is Westbrook. You thought I was going to say Is Westbrook. But it, it has to... No, but it has to be the young guys. Because what you talked about, that's a byproduct of youth meshing with veterans and learning a system and learning identity. Steve Kerr had a good quote the other day when he was talking about the Warriors. You know who would play like that? Your, Buddy Hill. Warriors saying your culture got to be your culture even in the losing times. But this team didn't have a culture. I like that. Culture got to be the culture even in the losing times. No, what he's saying, what he's saying is you still have to remain consistent with what your program is. Like you, yeah. you don't change everything up just because like he – People always say heat culture, right? Heat culture is not going to change based on who the personnel is or whether the team is good or not. Heat culture is going to be heat culture, and the belief is that is going to propel what's there. The Lakers ain't really had that because this team is so different from the championship team. And I think they tried to regain that bringing back Rondo and Dwight Howard. But both of them was like, dog, we were spent getting that one. Like, we we don't have it. Like, yeah. it ain't there. So it's weird that the person who they kept was THT, who we never saw have a really big moment. But the idea of keeping him was, I mean, he's a clutch guy. He's going to improve offensively, and he'll be able to contribute. But you know what you have in Caruso. It's like a lot of times people in the NBA don't care about the like the commodity that they know, or they think that the commodity that they know has reached a peak. So if you... If you're a Laker fan, right, and like to go back to last summer, you have KCP, you have Caruso, and you have Kuz. You know what they can do with LeBron and AD, which is win a championship. When you don't have LeBron or AD, those players will flame out in the first round, right? Because AD got hurt, and then LeBron was dealing with nagging injuries. But why react the way of, like, send everyone away? Why weren't the Lakers the team in the hunt for JaVale McGee, right? Why? And you always just say this. You say this in the group. LeBron just like old niggas. Like, I don't know what it he is. Does. Like the old he does. does. And it's so weird. That was, so wait, weird. that was the whole, I can imagine him in the office. That was the debate behind the Westbrook move and the Buddy Heald. I can imagine him being all in on the Buddy Heald thing. But then when he heard Westbrook was available, because LeBron is a fat. LeBron grew up in video game eras, so he likes the big names. LeBron ain't about this roster construction and how LeBron. teams fit. LeBron got LeBron, a lot of Stugats. LeBron Stugats, James, yeah. 
So, but um, you you know what is funny though is that DeRozan and I hated the DeRozan story. DeRozan thinking he was gonna be with the Lakers because imagine him with this roster now. You know who would have someone something to prove? Demar Derozan. I would have loved something I, to prove in Chicago. I would have loved him being on this team, and I thought that was the move that they should have made. And if the analytics people was like, "Oh no, he doesn't take a step back and make threes. So fucking what? He's still not doing what, it in Chicago. Does Westbrook do that? <laughs> you know, anyway, um, you know, it's like nobody noticed that. Hey. Devin Booker don't take as much threes as we thought. During that playoff run, most of his game was to the basket mid-range jumpers. Because the guys that can get to their spot and get whatever shot they want, those are the people that lead the league in scoring. Watch how KD plays. Because everyone spends their time trying to stop drives and run people off the three-point line now because that's how most people play. So, yeah, that those might be the efficient shots, but you know what is deficient is uh, people trying to people trying to play defense and stop you from shooting a two-pointer that mid-range defense is not as good as it used to be because people are aren't accustomed no. to people even taking that shot and you know who ends up taking those shots are the elite players those are the ones who practice on that and tend to take that and the ones we have to move on the ones who score mm-hmm. on all three levels because even yes of course Steph greatest three-point shooter of all time but when you're slightly above the casual level because I think casuals may still think Steph only takes threes he scores at all three levels as well. Like, you got to actually yep. watch him play to know that. All of the elite scorers do this. So, I, I mean, anyway, I just wanted to talk about 11 through 60, and I just wanted to keep saying Yeah, yeah, that. so okay. this, is, this is perfect. Okay. Agenda okay. item, so, just go. Say what you have to say for your 13 and 12 team. Go. No, listen, we have spoken ad nauseum about the Lakers, and I, stand, I still stand in 10 toes down on this like I was at the beginning of the season. I think Vogel's now starting to figure it out. So, honestly, I'm expecting a run. I really am expecting a run here. Like, he, he's found the niche. Still a little too much Avery Bradley for me, but I get where that could be cute at times. I know you like talking about his defense shit or whatever. But I, I still think... <laughs> no, that, should be a, that should be a segment on the casuals or this defense shit or whatever. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, you would... You and, you and Draymond can really talk about all the benefits of it and how we don't understand and all, all, the, all the top. Wait, wait, all the top defensive teams have the best records in the league. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, but what what the Lakers did not have and what none of these old people can do is ignite the crowd like Malik Monk did when he had that fast. That's break what you fucking down. going off ignite the crowd. You know when the Lakers won the championship, he, he was the best win defensive win. team in the league. Who else putting down that windmill on this roster? Avery Bradley could put down that windmill. Austin Reeves. Hey, listen to yourself. Windmill. Windmill is your win. Right. It's indicative of everything else. It's not just about the windmill. You need... LeBron may like old dudes, but you know what he also likes? Cool young people who he could take pictures with. And we always thought that that was important. Clearly, Malik Monk is that guy on this team. That's all I'm saying. It's my agenda. That's what that's what caused um, Kevin Love to fit in or fit out. And the Timberwolves, as soon as that didn't happen. And the Timberwolves better don't move Carl Towns. <sighs> All right. Um, my agenda item for this week, because uh, I like to bring new ones. Now it's just going to talk about Malik Monk for the whole season. No, I, so no, my, I, my no. new agenda item is that Damn Lillard needs to be traded and... Dame Lillard being traded will do nothing to the top of the league. 
I mean absolutely nothing because the teams he is most likely to go to, to me, do not have a real shot. Um, best he goes to Philly, and Philly is going to lose in six games to the Bucks. I, I think like that's where we're at. I I honestly believe that, and and I think like if there's one thing the NBA is good at, it's um having a discussion on a player, and then that player being meaningless when it comes to who is going to win the finals. I don't even remember who it was last year who was like the hot name at the trade deadline. Do you? But there's always a name or some people uh, who might get moved. And it we ne- so often the, tra- we the never trade deadline these means because they don't matter very yes. much at the end of the season. And even if even though that this is a superstar, this is not a superstar going to a contender who can just like instantly shift everything about that team. Dame Lillard is a very good player. He is um, one of the all-stars, but he is not that guy to me. Like, he is not that... He's he, To me, he was never in the top 10. He was um, a great stats, great player, great stats, mediocre team guy, which is okay, but, like, you know what all that means is? That just means that you need to be on a team with an alpha with one of those guys who is top five in the league, and he can't get to one of those teams yet. No. Could Philly eventually become a contender with Dame and Joel? Fuck yeah, but not this year. If not now, when though? Because I... I mean, if they could hold on to Maxi, and I know I said Portland should like demand Maxi. If they could hold on to Maxi and get Dame and then like in the offseason do some stuff, like get some other players that fit the bill, like the Jay Crowder type of player on their roster, then I think Philly could be a contender. But I don't know that they have enough with just those two in that version of the Eastern Conference. At some point, Katie is going to get to like, all right, man, I go in ultra instinct. There's 20 games left in the season. And y'all ain't gonna be shitting on my name because Fat Boy with the bed ain't doing nothing. Hey, 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 hey! He's playing well. He, hey, and this seems this seems like a very easy take to have. This seems like a very easy take to have, but somehow in 2021, 2022, it it it's the same way Stu Gotts was put in a position where it seemed like he was taking the underdog when he's saying, hey, Alabama is still good, which only seems like the most <laughs> obvious thing. I found myself in a position where I got to be arguing on the side of James Harden saying, James Harden is still good. Like, James Harden's been an MVP player for years. Just because they're calling the game differently doesn't mean he's any less talented. James Harden is still really good. Like, there's nobody who's stopping James Harden one-on-one. What are you people talking about? Like, that, that's become one of my new agenda things. So now whenever he has a triple-double in there, triple-double game, I find myself taking these victory laps. But he used to do it, like, every single night. Like, it's not a strange thing. He's just playing with KD now instead of... Who the hell he's playing with the Rockets? Like, Air Gordon and... I don't even remember who was on the Rockets team. Like, that's it. That's- as, a, as, a, as I said, fat boy with the bed. I, I stand by that um, until he does it. Because you know the difference between, like the best players in the NBA and just like a run-of-the-mill guy is that they just do it every night. That's, that's literally the whole thing. That's how he won MVP. Yeah, but I'm saying that he's not been shown to be that player now. Could James Harden prove me wrong? I fucking hope so because I want to see uh, a Nets and Bucks rematch and I want to see James Harden because I'm not going to... I'll be real with you, right? 
I remember when like there was whole LeBron KD thing and KD like just tweeted out his re-signer with the Thunder and then they took it to be like, oh, he's the greatest player in the world. He does it different than LeBron. I remember like the whole Giannis Harden beef that I like Giannis, but it's like a part of me was just like, dog, Harden, I need you to go kill some people just because of this. Because I don't like how they are drawing that illustration of you versus the Giannis beef. And I want to see Nets and Bucks. And I want to see a healthy Harden going into Milwaukee and being like, yeah, ain't no hamstring shit now. And, like, put some work in against the Bucs. Oh, That's yeah. what I want to see. But I can't say that I have seen that that he's capable of that now because, yeah, he looks slow, but he could play himself into shape, obviously. Like, um, But it hasn't happened yet. He's had, like, a couple good games. And does that mean where I'm at is, like, no, I don't no, know no. if he it does means not, that he is... Wait, wait. I don't know if it means that he is on a decline or, and James Harden being on a decline could be like, yo, I was the MVP getting 30 points to I am still great getting 24, 8, and 8. So that could be a decline for someone who was the MVP. And I understand the usage is different than playing with KD, yes, but you also know what else is different. Is. When you're playing with When you're playing with KD, you have a lot more opportunity because it's not like in like with Houston where people can key in on you. They cannot key in on you. It is impossible to key in on you because Kevin Durant's on your team. But but the usage rate is the huge thing in that that matters. Like that is that cannot be underscored. If the ball is in your hand every single play and you are the person that makes the decision every single play, whether you shoot or you pass, it's always up to you. And now you're in a position where it is no longer up to you every play. You are not the top dog in the team. It stands to reason that your points per game level is going to drop. I agree, not in the best of shape, but he is still averaging 28 and 9.7. Like, that's that's what James Harden is. That's who James Harden is. I His offense is not the same. His usage rate is not the same. That's also part of figuring it out. I, I'm not, I'm not uh, giving him a bligh because... He does not look as explosive. He does not look to be in the same. You can see that his body doesn't look the same as it did in Houston during the MVP years. And for that, I believe... Yeah, but that's all I mean, though, is that it's there's a difference in between how he is moving on the court. Because, yeah, I, get, I understand the usage rate argument, right? But Kevin Durant has also played with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Like, he's also played with people who are high usage. The team looked good last year uh, when... Harden was 100% healthy and Kyrie was on the court and there's less usage rate because you have an actual point guard who's handling the ball and you but there were never these concerns with Harden because it was just like oh shit he looks great like the scoring might be down but he looks great as he's doing what he does and the offense looks like it's flowing more um so you would think that the usage increases with Kyrie off the court remember this argument was not there last year so what is the difference between those two times one he got injured and then two, he might be on the other part of his career, which would still make him a really good player. But is it yeah. good enough? But so I'm, I'm not saying my argument is never that um, James Harden is like completely falling off a cliff. But as someone who was a fan of Dwayne Wade, I remember Boyd like running on fumes at the end in those heat years. Okay, where you wanted Dwayne? No, James Harden's not there yet. Okay, I just was about to the, say 2010. The year they won and they beat fumes. the Spurs when Ray Allen kind of like saved the season. Hold on. Go ahead. No, I was just saying 2010 and 8 is hardly running on fumes. But there's, there's yeah, also... Wade wasn't running on fumes then. Wade had good averages during those times. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm just saying still averaging there, triple-double. But 
there is on top of the Kyrie stuff, there's still a whole lot of other Nets issues going on too. Like Joe Harris, who's a very important part of this offense, out ankle surgery. Like for as much roster turnover as as the Lakers had, a whole lot of it happened with the Nets too. And just not having Kyrie Irving around as expected to be a part of it also matters. I remember Blake Griffin going there was supposed to be a big deal. Now he's completely out of the rotation. We probably should have talked about him on the on the trade block segment. Not who knows if Lamarcus Aldridge is going to be able to stay and continue to play and won't have to retire this time. The only young big that they had, Nick Claxton, has been out since like maybe October. I want to say so. It's a lot what we thought that we'd see with the Nets that we haven't been able to see. Now. Should that mean that James Harden should put more of it on his shoulders and he should be showcasing even more? Yeah, it's an argument to be made for that. I, Like I said, I blame little Baby. Should leave Sweetie alone. All right, so um, let's go with our because uh, you were casual part because we are already an hour into this right yes. now. This is what happens when we don't podcast for a while. So, because you were casual, um, I'll just say what I'm doing tonight instead of watching the games. And I believe um, the Warriors are playing the Trailblazers at 10 today. And this is going to be one of those Steph games. Because Steph already did it to the Trailblazers, right? But Steph gets excited when it's like, hey, Trey Young, oh, y'all just comparing me to him. Or the whole Dame Lillard thing. I remember Dame's comments last year or the year before. Um, so, the Warriors are, are playing... Um, playing the trailblazers and what i'll be doing instead of watching that game <laughs> you have full reason to laugh at this i'll be going to a christmas market what <laughs> what is a christmas market dog you don't know what a christmas market is does i seem like the type of person that knows what a christmas market is i'm being genuine what is a christmas market i don't know they sell like knickknacks you never watch a christmas movie and then see people with like boots and like christmas shit around and I assume they just get know, that like from course. Amazon or Walmart. Nah, dog. Like, and then it's like a whole, like, the lights and all that Wait, shit. Wait, is this what jollification is? Kind of, yes. Yes. Okay. Like all that. Right. Yeah, we'll yeah, just yeah, say yeah. Canadian exactly. jollification then. I get that. Canadian jollification, right. yeah. And it's snowing today, which we willed into existence because how you could go to Christmas market without snow if you live in a cold place. So otherwise, you just, like, cold with no snow during Christmas. Then what the fuck is that? Oh, so instead of watching that game, I will be studying for a Spanish and general science final because I'm a seventh grader now and also will be putting together my research for the home run derby because I'm going to be commentating, but not talk about my research at all. Here's my thing. I'm going to be very well prepared, but not talk about my research at all and just talk about the shoes and the music. Oh, yeah. As long as you have, a, like, a well-researched person who knows what the fuck they talk about. No, no, no. You, I'm the person. No. Oh, you're the person. Yeah. So who's in the hormone booth with you? I'm Marcellus Hall. All right. So <laughs> is he going to be able to sell your jokes? I don't know. I mean, that, I mean, that part don't matter to me i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go and do me we this is this is a big part of what we was talking about last night we should probably talk about this off air but anyway it's a if i know john john wants to be in, in color commentary booth. no he doesn't he doesn't want me to do it anyway um so the next the next thing is 
the other games we'll be missing uh, tonight is oh oh 76 is Hornets. Good game. 76 is Hornets and who else? Oh, Bucks Heat. The Heat are like a shell of their former selves with like Bam Hurt. And by Jimmy when we Hurt. say shell of their former selves, we mean like 10 games ago. Yeah. When people thought they were a top three team in the East and now everyone got hurt. And now it's just Tyler Hero chucking up shots and Kyle Lowry falling down. Seems about right. Um, but on on your casual comment, um, how good are you at Spanish? I'm all right. I can manage. Because I feel like I'd be better at like helping with the science and helping with the Spanish. Like I, I don't know if I got that. I can I can manage. I think I'm. I think I'm. I like obviously. I mean, the more difficult ones. I don't know. I don't know how much I'd be able to help then. But the uh the seventh grade Spanish. I got a lot of mayamo in me. A lot of yo soy. Listen to a lot of Cubans on podcasts. So, and they're speaking English on those podcasts. Um, so of in. course you know as as we will be doing other things tonight. Um, what box scores are you gonna go to? Because my instant box scores are gonna be seventy sixes Hornets. Um, I'm gonna go to the Heat box box score. Um, Thunder Raptors because I need to see what Scotty Barnes is doing, and. Magic Kings, because I need to see what Buddy doing, and Bulls Riders. I need, I need those Mobley stats. Okay, so for me, yeah, so based on the schedule, first look, Buddy's going to get the first look. Uh, Harden's going to get, no, sorry, Buddy's going to get the first look. Timberwolves get the second look. Um, then I go Harden watch. I would like to go, oh, I was supposed to do a whole segment on how much the Hornets actually hate their rookies and what they have against Kyrie Jones, but I was telling John, we probably need to just do the Bahamian players on another podcast where we don't have to talk about the whole NBA, because I don't know how much people have to get COVID for Kyrie Jones to get minutes. JT Thor got 22 minutes the other night, and Kyrie didn't play at all, and it made makes no sense to me, whatever. Borrega or what, however you pronounce his name. I don't know what his thing is against rookies, but I right now I'm wondering if they just have eight players suited up, if the Hornets are willing to forfeit the game and say we only have seven because that's how much they refuse to play Kai Jones, and it's maddening, and I'm starting to hate them like how I hated the Colts for not playing Mike Strong. Rant over. No, for, for real, um, just as a quick aside, like what is the fucking point? Like You have rookies... And you want them to be contributors on the team. You know who gets to hold rookies out um, for long periods of time? Championship contenders. Yeah. And championship contenders still play rookies. Because they're just <laughs> going to be like, yo, I need to see what this person could do under this kind of pressure. Because um, they might not be ready now. But now, even if a rookie isn't ready, I now know how to get them ready. Because I've seen what they were not capable of doing. So now I know what to work on. Yo, and... <laughs> And I, I get, I get all of that, you know. And even if everyone was there and the team was healthy, it would make sense. And then you just gotta suck it up. But when five players are out with COVID, five players are in the in the health and safety protocol, and you still can't get minutes, that's something else. I've never seen that before. All this doing is making me dislike Brittany Renner, baby daddy. I know it ain't his fault, but this that's all that this is doing to me. You gotta like um, the man who's looking down the bench and deciding who to put in the game more than more than you just like. That's true. That's I said. It's it's not it's not his fault. Yeah. Um. So for your box score check, and I gotta ask, 
Like, do you unapologetically check all the box scores you want? Or do you just like wait and be like, all right, it's like 845, the game close to ended. Let me see what's up. No, like for- Or do you just like, just say like, oh, I hit on 10 games. I have the back button and I'm going through. How do you do it? Yeah. So obviously early games have the advantage because they have all of the attention. Like Hornets, Kings playing. I Well, I already know that game is happening on Friday because that's obviously a big game for us if Kai Jones plays. But I tend to, the early games are going to get a look just because there's nothing else going on at that time. But then there there's that, um, what usually happens is the West Coast games, they take precedence in that, that, that gray area where you always wake up in the middle of the night. And sometimes you may forget that a really good game is on. Or even if you remember that a good game is on, but you know you just ain't staying up to finish it. So the minute yep. you wake up in the middle of the night, you go and check for that game because that one is just fresh on the mind. I say this happened because last this, night. this is usually what happens with, with Lakers games. Yes, because it happened last night. And you know, this is why I hate you. You know what I check? Let me see how much Malik Monk score. 11? This nigga about to say this 11. Like, this is the greatest 11 points in the world. But he, he was Despite four. all the other He was four for six. so well. Four for six so in 20 well. minutes. Four for six right, in 20 let's, minutes. Let's, last, last segment, and let's get the fuck out of here. Um, basketball player versus Hooper. Okay. What are we going to do today? Do you have any inclination? Or I've been re-watching Seinfeld. Do you want to do Seinfeld? Always an easy choice. Always an easy choice. So let's do Seinfeld. Seinfeld is available on Netflix. Um, do you want to go first or should I go first? I'll go first. Um, and I'm yeah. going to go with Chalk. Easy. Kramer. Yeah. Hooper. Hooper. Claire Hooper. Kramer's a Claire Hooper. All natural instincts. Life you can comes see natural most to of him. Time. Nothing is planned. Because yeah, uh, you know what it is? It's the physical comedy. Is the physical comedy be like, yo, this dude is a natural. Um, sorry for his racist turn and his cancellation. Oh, we're not talking Before about Michael Richards. We just mean Kramer. Not, yeah, we just talk about Separate Kramer. the art from um, the artist. Art from the artist. But you, you know who uh, is still a, a OG and holding it down, who is also a Hooper? I got to go with Lane. Lane, natural Hooper. Like, has been good in everything since Seinfeld. Yeah. It's insane. What a run. It's, it's amazing run that she has Seinfeld and Veep under her belt. Like, that is rare to see you have now, two landmarks. Casually in the MCU. Huh? Casually in the MCU now. Oh. She is now um, the, the Nick Fury of the bad guys in the MCU. Oh, shit. I didn't even know A that. tremendous career. Was that in one of the last movies? Because I haven't watched nothing since Iron Man did. Uh, yeah, it was at the, it was in Black Widow. Oh, and I then in that. the Falcon and, and Winter Soldier show. Oh, I watched it. She shows up. I need, oh, I got to actually go finish watching it anyway. Um, yeah. Jerry, basketball player. Claire, basketball player. I, I, you know what? This is, uh, this is why you got a podcast with someone you know. I knew I could leave Jerry for you, and we would both say basketball yeah. player. Jerry's a basketball it's everything. player. Even his comedy is basketball player. Now, is he the one of the best basketball players ever? Yes. And I feel like we always have to make the caveat. We think Tim Duncan's a basketball player. Tim Duncan is the yeah. greatest ever at his position. It's not yes. an insult. Yeah. It is not an insult, but Jerry was just technically his whole premise is like the whole show about nothing and that the whole did you ever notice thing. Does he see him like naturally funny in his mannerisms and how he enunciate things? No, but he works at his shit. No. And like that's why he loves comedy so much. Like he's a different kind of animal. Observation comedy is his boring yeah. post game that Tim Duncan had. Yeah. That's his bike shot. 
It goes in and it's going to work every time and he's going to average 25 and 13. Great. Meanwhile, across the aisle, and I'm going to do this um, because I'm going to separate this one. I'm taking two, but you you can go on. Like Larry David, Hooper. But George. uh, Jason Alexander, George Costanza. Basketball basketball player. player. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, because it is is a clear line. And especially from Kirby Enthusiasm, you could see that. Yo, what the hell would this show look like if Larry David was actually on this show? If he had full And range. it would have been three hoopers with one basketball player? That's fucking insane. And the fact that Curb Your Enthusiasm had to exist shows that even they know that they couldn't let him go full reign with it because that's a show in and of itself. <laughs> you know what Larry David did? Larry David did to Kevin Durant. Like, yeah, yeah, we win championships under this. But I want to go win my own championship. And so many. I want to go out on my He's own. He's won so many. And he won so many championships. I, you know I, what? Um, I got to go. I got to go re-binge that. Uh, I want to go off the board of the main four. Because if you watch Seinfeld, you got to know they have so many ancillary characters. So many that pop in. Uh, Newman. Newman is a hooper to me. Claire Hooper. Newman, Jurassic Park, JFK, Seinfeld. What the fuck was that kind of run for oh, Newman the in the early 90s? Oh, the 90s were amazing for Wayne Knight. Jesus. That is insane. That's insane work, dog. Insane Imagine what his Newman. personal life was like. And now I feel like I gotta go look that up. Because what was Wayne Knight doing in the 90s to get those roles? And s- such diverse characters. Like, he wasn't the same guy. Let's go for some quick ones. Uh, okay. Jay Peterman, Hooper. Jay Peterman, Jay Peterman is such a Hooper. And hearing him on Levitard show, I don't know if he was even acting. Like, that's him. He's not acting at all. Okay, some basketball players from the Seinfeld cast. They have a lot of hoopers, dog. Okay. Yeah, it's, I was players, beginning um, to say, like, outside of the main ones, show full of hoopers because I, whenever you talk about auxiliary characters, you got to go with Mr. Costanza. And he is clearly a hooper. Yeah, yeah. He's such a hooper. Um, Jerry Parents, I think, were basketball players. His mom you know, definitely like is a basketball like player. Mom, ba- basketball players. Oh, as you know, long time take Jerry Seinfeld, world class stick man. Yeah. Every gal on the show with Jerry, I think, for the most part, basketball players. And it was also clear that Jerry wanted you to know that because the entire the entire B storyline was Jerry has different gals, like from the very first season. Actually, I think from the maybe from the first show it was i i only know this because i started to i started to binge it a few weeks ago but it was the girl that he met on the road coming into town and george trying to help him figure out whether she was sending signals that she wanted to sleep with him or not turns out she just wanted a place to stay because she was engaged but that was the show them trying to figure out what she wanted but right out of the gate it was jerry just going on the road bagging these gals and make his ex his best friend. Could you imagine if we told uh, Miguel Munnings that story? <laughs> said this gal was coming to visit, and then she just wanted a place to stay. I had to, I had to unlearn some behavior because there was a famous rant I went on one New Year's where he was dropping a girl home, and I was just saying this was in days when I used to drink a lot. And I was just saying the quiet part loud, and I was incensed that she just wanted to ride home at the end, at the end of the night. It was not one of my prouder moments. I had unlearned some behavior. 
It was a different now. This is why learning and evolution is just so important. That, Some people just need to get home, dog. That now is coming back. It's cold. That now yeah. is coming back for the Vancouver. No, no, no. Please not that. At least, especially not that part. Leave that part alone. No, that no, part does not need That to come part back. is not coming back. That part is not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, quick ones. Uh, Crazy Joe Davola, Hooper. What did I expect um, her to do? I, I don't fucking know. <laughs> Crazy Joe Davola, Hooper, as I said. <laughs> Uh, who else? As I continue this binge, I will have. We probably could like revisit Seinfeld, honestly, because it's so. It's so many, many It's so many characters. Remember the, the parking, the parking episode when they were both going in. George is just like he refused to move because it's the principal. And think about this: as young children watching this, this frames so much of the idiocy that so much developed. So much because it's, it's the principal of the thing. Like we would watch it and be like. George is completely fucking right. It was one Meanwhile, of the... what kind of psychopath just can't go? He'd rather ruin his entire day and just be like, all right, man, I'll park somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And what yeah. kind of psychopath yeah. thinks that to side with him? We, we were of we were born of this and actually not thinking Megatron was such a bad guy and being like, you know what, Cobra Commander's misunderstood. Like, like the, the joke is not I as mean, bad Cobra as you think. Cobra Commander was he is. misunderstood. <laughs> Huh? Cobra Commander was misunderstood. Yeah, no, absolutely. And yeah. he he became a sympathetic character. Anyway, we, 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 we all right, it. we have to. Okay, this is the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Casuals podcast. Um, we have someone in the sweatshop working on a logo. I don't know if that'll be done, um, but you know, thanks for listening. Watch basketball. Tell us what happens tonight because we won't be watching it, and uh, we should be back next week. Sure.